Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode as we learn, grow, and flourish together as a community of women. Hi, this is Penny. How are you? Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. I want to talk a little bit about a subject that God has helped me with and we used to actually do in our women's um, group in churches when we would do encounters or times where we went to, apart from everyone just to spend time with the Lord, we would have a theme. And one of the, the themes we've done many times is beauty for ashes. And that's actually a very mm, precious scripture to me because that's my life. I have seen God take my ashes time and time and time again and replace them for something beautiful. Even in my living room, I have a painting that my daughter-in-law did, and it says beauty for ashes on it. And so I want to talk a little bit about some of the aspects of us having beauty instead of ashes. And I want to start by talking about partnering with the glory of God. Like sometimes people confuse what, quote, glory is or what it looks like. And so the story of Moses is one that helps us to understand, I believe. In Exodus 33, 18, Moses was talking to God, which he often did. And he said to God, I pray, show me your glory. Now, again, this is a man who, to give you a little background, Exodus 33, 7 says, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And in verse 11, it says, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Well, that's pretty crazy. So here we would have this tent and Moses would go out there And he would sit and talk to God face to face, just like you or I would sit down and somewhere in a home or for a cup of coffee and talk face to face to one another. But in spite of that, later on, Moses says to God, show me your glory. Interesting. So oftentimes when Moses is talking to God. He's interceding for the nation of Israel, even asking God to do the opposite of what he just had declared that he was going to do. So imagine that. Here these two are, God and Moses, and they're creating policy together, policy that will affect millions. They're partnering together. And God sometimes says, okay, I'll change my intended plan based on our relationship. But Moses still says, show me your glory. He's just been face to face with God. When you think about the vastness of the nature of God is so deep, it's so profound that, and again, this this is like a little bit tricky because although they had met face to face in the tent of meeting, when he goes to answer Moses' request where he says, show me your glory, he hides them, he hides Moses in a little indent or cleft in the rock, and he covers him with his hand. It's interesting. 
And when he passes by Moses, he speaks about who he is. And apparently, this is what God wanted to explain to Moses was his, quote, glory. It wasn't dust that was falling out of heaven. It wasn't even angels that were singing throughout all of heaven. It wasn't just a bright light that was so intense that you couldn't see. I mean, and all of those things count as the glory of God. But he made some pronouncements, which I call God's resume. And he said to Moses, I am going to make all my goodness pass before you. And I am going to proclaim the name or the character or the nature of the Lord. And he didn't say, oh, I'm going to tell you all the the wrong things you've done or all the things that you better do or you're in big trouble. He just said, I'm going to show you my character. And Moses was asking to see the glory of God. And God says, okay, here's my glory. It's contained in my character and my nature. And this is what he spoke as he passed by Moses. As Moses, he put him in the rock in a safe little place, covered him with his hand, and he pronounced to Moses that he was compassionate gracious, slow to anger, abounding, and we talked about this word last time, in loving kindness, abounding in truth. And he says again, I keep loving kindness, that word that is so phenomenal, the two greatest internal needs of a human being, for thousands I forgive iniquity and transgressions and sin. I won't let the guilty go unpunished. And he even talks about visiting the iniquity upon generations to come of those who don't fear the Lord. But we see here that the glory of God is pretty much synonymous with his nature, his character, and his goodness. So if you want to behold the glory of the Lord, you have to know what that means. It can't be ambiguous. Oh, I wonder if if that's what it was. I wonder if over here is what it is. I wonder if these goosebumps, is that the glory of the Lord? Did I see a cloud? Again, those things might be contained in God exposing his glory. But glory is tangible. It's Vine's Expository Dictionary says it's the character and ways of God as exhibited through Christ to and through believers. It looks like his nature made obvious and clear to us and through us. Wow. So God's glory is something we can really grasp. It is who God is, those things we just spoke about, what I call God's resume that's in Exodus 33. You should go and read that whole chapter. That's what I call the resume of God. He said it himself. He said, I'm going to pass by you and declare who I am. And it's exhibited to and through us as believers. It's made clear to us. Another definition in vines is opinion. So God's glory primarily signifies an opinion. 
an estimate, and the honor that results from a good opinion. It's tangible. When God's glory is present, it produces an opinion. It produces a change of thinking. It's not just a feeling. It's not just, oh, wow, that was the glory of God. How cool. No, it's his character at work, doing something that alters our opinions and the opinions of others. That's why one of the definitions for glory is opinion. So the key to beholding his glory is tied to understanding his heart and his nature and his intention for us. There is no other door of access that enables us to behold that glory. I'm going to say that again. There is no other door of access which enables us to behold his glory. So what is the door of access? Access? It's understanding his nature, heart, and intention for us. That's why he gave us the word, the Bible, so we could see his nature, who he is, his heart, his intention for us. That's why when Moses said, God, I'm just met with you face to face. We talked about all kinds of things. We were just hanging out, being together, working on things. But I'm asking you to show me your glory. And God said, here it is. Here's what my glory is. I'm going to tell you. It's that I'm compassionate. I'm gracious. I'm slow in anger. I'm abounding in love and kindness. I abound in truth. I keep loving kindness for thousands. I forgive iniquity, transgressions, and sin. And yes, I will not let the guilty go unpunished. That is what the glory of God is. So, it's the people in the Bible who second-guessed God's faithfulness and goodness that ended up getting off track and even were devoured. Eve, she second-guessed the goodness of God and and felt like she had to kind of do it her way because God must be holding out on her. Jacob, he second-guessed God's goodness, tried to do it all on his own, found himself in a very difficult place, and ended up having to totally surrender his self-will and wrestle with God and let go and understand God's goodness. When people wrongly accuse God, that's that's a very concerning thing to do. Don't charge God. Don't blame God for things he did not do. Don't assume the difficult things that come against you or the heartaches, or the things that kill, steal, and destroy are God putting something on you to show you, quote, his glory, to reveal himself. That is not the nature of God. As I said, it's the people in the Bible who mischaracterized God, who misunderstood him, who attributed and They attributed things to God that were not God. They ended up in a difficult place. We do not want to charge God. 
We want to understand what his resume says about him and then ask him, how does that apply to this situation? Romans 11.22 says, Behold the kindness and severity of God. To those who fell, severity. But to you, God's kindness, now listen to what this says, if you continue in his kindness or his resume or his glory. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Now think about that. That is a mouthful. Romans eleven twenty two. He says there is kindness and there is severity of God. If you fall, it's because you have not continued in his kindness. You have not understood. You have wrongly discerned the character and nature of God. And so you've fallen and severity will come your way. But if it says right here, if you continue in his kindness, if you refuse to allow that to be stolen from you, if you refuse to be deterred about who God is, then you will behold the kindness of God. That's what it says. It's not just enough to see it. We have to partake of it. He loves to partner with us. So there was Moses. He was gazing. He was listening. He was intent. But he was also partnering with God, with his nature, with his personality, with his very friendship. If you really see it, if you really see who God is and his nature, you can't help but want to partner with him, not just for your own life, but for the life of everyone around you. You want to partner with God. You want to be part of his vision, his objectives, his, quote, glory, his character, his plan, his objectives, what he wants to do in the hearts of people, including your family. The impact on Israel because Moses saw his glory and he partnered with God was far-reaching. So that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, think about it. Moses went after understanding who God was. And he wanted to know more and more. Even though he met with him, he wanted to know, who are you, God? What? Show me. Show me the very depths of your glory, of your nature. And because of that, he had communication with God and talked about things that changed the course of history. You know, if you read, and, and we'll go on... At, the next time probably about this, that instead of the nation of Israel becoming completely destroyed many times, they were saved. Much of them, many of them were saved because of the intercession and the influence that Moses had with God because he knew him. He understood him. He partnered with his glory. So I'm going to end this by asking you, have you come to understand God's resume. Do you understand it? When you think of God, what do you think? A.W. Tozer said the most important thing about us is what comes to mind when we think about God. What do you think about when you think about God? So many people think he's angry. So many people think he's out to get them. 
So many people think if they falter or fail or have sin of any sort in their life, they are in major trouble. And why even pray? Why even draw near to God? Why not just take a few steps back and stay out of out of the way of the lightning bolts? You and I have to understand what God's glory looks like. We have to understand God's nature and character and as it relates to us. It's vital. It's critical. The the Christian life is all about that. So when Moses said in Exodus 33, 18, I pray, God, show me your glory. I pray that that would be your prayer and that you would search the Bible, search the scriptures to find out God's resume, God's nature, God's character. And then that is what you would use to be able to live under the smile of God, to be able to fight for the promises of God in your life and in the life of those around you. Thanks so much for joining me. Love you. Thanks for listening to the Flourish podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. For more information about Flourish, our annual conference, or to join our community of women, visit nrpflourish.com. See you next time.